<laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, all right, before we get to the message, let's pray so that God can speak to us. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the good, the mighty, the awesome God. Amen. And Lord, you are the God who was and is and is to come. And Father, we are in awe of you. Lord, when we think about uh, your mighty works and your glory, uh, we just stand in humble adoration, Lord. In fact, we bow before you, Father, for you're the only God worthy of our praise. Amen. You're the one true God. You're the only King, eternal, immortal, invisible. And your Son is the invisible God, the invisible. And Lord, we thank you so much for salvation. Amen. And Lord, uh, as you get ready to use this vessel, dear God, please, uh, may I decrease and your spirit increase, Lord. May you give me your words, Father, to give to your people, Lord God. I pray you prepare hearts, minds, and ears that all may hear what you may have to say, Lord. And as we look at uh, being a watchman, Lord, or a watchwoman, and we look at uh, call, being called and commissioned for your purpose, Lord God. May we all take it to heart. May we understand, Lord, that uh, the ultimate solution is you, Lord. But you've sent us. Christ in us hope of glory, Lord. That's the answer. Amen. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, we would embrace that. I pray we would receive your word. Um, I pray that it would take residence in our hearts, Father, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, Lord, but we would also be doers of your holy word, Father. So we pray your Holy Spirit uh, speak to us and through review Pastor Dave, Lord, we love him so much his family. We thank you for his sacrifice, his life as a living sacrifice. We're so grateful to have him, Lord. And uh, we do pray, Father, that you would be with him and his family, Lord. Protect them. Uh, refresh them, Lord. Uh, bring them back to us in one piece, Father. Uh, ready to bring your word back to us, Lord. So we thank you and we love you. And Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray. And the saints said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Am I good? Kind of, kind of Alright, so we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, okay? I know that's probably, that's probably a strange book to some people. It's strange to me when I came across it. But we know the Bible says all of the word is profitable. Okay? All of it is profitable. So Ezekiel, um, really quick, I'll just do kind of a little background the best I can. It is a lot because it kind of starts in the middle. But Ezekiel was one of the major prophets. So you guys had the minor prophets and the major prophets. I believe the major was because they had a lot more to say. God had a lot more to say through them. Um, the minor ones were kind of uh, less, kind of a little bit off, off, chip off the old block, per se. But so what happened was, as you guys know, um, if we started kind of 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicle, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, we look at kind of the history of Israel, kind of their unfaithfulness, but then we also see the history of God's faithfulness. And so back in Judges, we saw the theme that, um, and then the children of uh, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we saw that over and over. And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then they cried out to the Lord, and then he sent them a deliverer, right? Picture of Christ every time. And then they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then again, it said he sent them a deliverer when they cried out. And that happened over and over and over until eventually the chapter book ended with, and then uh, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, right? And that's what happened when there's no godly leadership. That's what happened when there's no reverence for God. And that's what happened when there's no fear of God, is we're left to just do what is right in our own eyes. And we saw what happened when man was left to their own conscience. That's when uh, Noah came, the flood came. We were just left to our own conscience. And it's never, never okay for us to be without godly wisdom and without the Lord. And then so we transitioned into the king, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. And so God appoints kings to, to rule and reign, okay? And so we see uh, Saul, with the United Kingdom, we had Saul. You know how that ended. King David, King Solomon. That's the United Kingdom where Israel was one kingdom. At the end of Solomon's reign, Solomon was known for what? What was he known for? Wisdom, okay? Unfortunately, came a point in time where he did not use the wisdom. 
And kings had a specific expectation, and that was they were not to multiply wives. They were not to multiply gold. They were not to multiply horses. He go down to Egypt. Unfortunately, he did all three. And then we see at the end, God said he ripped the ten kingdoms away, away from him. They rebelled away from him. And from that point forward, we had a divided kingdom. And we know a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the divided kingdom was the ten northern tribes. I'm not going to name all right now, but we know the, the two low uh, southern tribes. Who remembers what they were? Two southern tribes. Who knows? Judah, amen. I'm one of them. And Benjamin, amen. Alright. Y'all been coming on Thursday. So Benjamin and Judah were the southern tribe, and then the ten tribes were the rest of them. Okay? And so as we go and look through, if you look through the kings, Israel had ten, uh, I believe 20 kings, Judah had 20 kings. Most of them did evil. So there's there's a, a few of them that did right beside the Lord, and then something happened. But the main thing was they would not tear down the high places. All the idol worship. Continuous idol worship over and over and over. They wouldn't tear it down. And so a king would come in, and a righteous king would make reforms, tear it down, but a lot of them left up the high places. And so we just see a, a continuous history of this to eventually, of course, God is gracious, God is just, but at the same time, eventually God has to deal with sin, right? Or he's not a loving God. You have to have love and justice, right? Or, or cheap grace. So we don't have that. So eventually, God used, uh, I believe, uh, Assyria. They got. Um, the northern tribes ended up getting ca uh, captured by Assyria. They all went into Assyria. And then they were captured up in there. And they dissolved in there. They, they intermingled with the Assyrians. And then now we have uh, Samaritans. That's what they're known for. The tribe Samaritans. Then, even worse, Judah saw it. They didn't repent. And they continued in their idol worship. And they continued in their wickedness. And then now, God sent three waves uh, from Babylonia, Nebuchadnezzar. They came in and took waves of Judah into captivity. First wave, we know some famous people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the first wave into Babylonian captivity. Alright, so that was the first one. They didn't take you. Next thing you know, another wave, about 10,000 came in. And what the Babylonians did, they took the choice men, the men of valor, the people who were high, had high positions in, in, the, in the kingdom of Israel, and they put them into their land, Trained them up in the Babylonian way, got them nice and comfortable in Babylonia, got nice and comfortable, and then eventually they completely destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, and everything on that third wave. And so where Ezekiel fits in, he came in the second, the second wave into Babylonia. Ezekiel fits in, he was taken in, and then he was called in his position. So we'll talk a little bit about, about that. So his name actually means the Lord strengthens. And we need that. Oh my. The Lord strengthens. Ezekiel's time of prophesying was not before captivity, but during captivity. There's only two prophets that prophesied during captivity. And who knows who that one of them was Ezekiel? Who's the other one? Alright, amen. Daniel. Ezekiel and Daniel. Ezekiel and Daniel were the ones who prophesied to uh, the nation of Israel during the time of rebellion when they were in captivity. And so this was the darkest time in Israel's, all of Israel's history. So if you think about it, we've all had that moment in time where we've just been the furthest away from God. We are so far in our sin, we're so far in our rebellion, and it seems like there is no hope, and it seems like there's no way back, and we're just stuck in what we're doing, and we're comfortable with our sin, and we're absolutely miserable, but God loves you enough to send you someone, to send you something, to turn you back to him. And that's what, that's what the primary job of the prophet was. He was to come in and get the people to change their mind. That key word called repentance. To get them to repentance and see their sin. Because here's one thing about pride. 
what pride will do to you, it will blind you to the reality of your sin. Oh, no, I'm not good. It's not me. I'm okay. I'm solid. No, I really love the church in a few weeks. I read the Bible enough. I think I'm okay. And so sin will do that to you. It will blind you. And so that's when God will send you a deliverer. So this is all, these are all pictures and shadows of Jesus, of the ultimate deliverer, of the ultimate person that was going to save us. And so they came in, uh, Ezekiel, he was uh, taken into captivity, and that was his position. He was a priest, and then he was called to be a prophet. And that's why the title of the message will see, called and commissioned by God, the Lord's watchman. All right? So if you guys have your outline, yes or no, maybe, maybe not. If not, just, just follow along. We'll go through it. Uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, amen. Alright, so Ezekiel, he was a, a priest, and so I would assume, I, I tried to research, I couldn't really find it, he was from uh, the tribe of what? If you're a priest, typically I'd be from the tribe of Levi, amen, amen. I did research, I tried to, I tried to find it, I couldn't find a definitive answer, and so I'm going to believe and assume that he was from the tribe of Levi, because he was a priest, amen. So, most likely from the tribe of Levi. Typically, priests would get their ordination at what age? Who remembers? 42. Oh, amen. Not, not, not quite. 30. 30 was the age that they would, they would kind of be ordained and they would be able to be a priest. Remember when Jesus got his calling? About 30, right? You see, we see these uh, similarities. So also, Ezekiel was particularly sent to the house of Israel. Jesus, if you guys remember Matthew, they said, I sent to no one but the lost house of Israel. Ezekiel was referred to as the son of man, although his was specifically shown he was a representative of man. Jesus was referred to as his favorite title for himself in the gospel was son of man. The son of man has not come to, the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. The son of man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life as a ransom for many. He says over and over, the son of man, son of man, son of man. However, Jesus' form of son of man is the one that's mentioned in Daniel, more of a messianic figure. Okay, but they both use the terms to specify. Ezekiel was actually a priest who was called to bear the iniquities of the people. And Ezekiel uses all these picture forms laying on its side to prophesy the coming siege of, of, of Jerusalem. Um, Jesus also himself, he came before our iniquities actually and portrayed that on the cross. His love for us like that. So those are just kind of some comparisons. The book of Ezekiel is a long book, Woo. but it's broken up in four main kind of, kind of sections. The first section is... The glory, the glory of God being revealed to Ezekiel chapter 1, and then Ezekiel's calling as a watchman. The second section is going to be impending coming judgment on the nation of Israel because they, they didn't repent, and that's why the temple got destroyed. Thirdly, judgment on the surrounding nations, because they were joining in on all the rebellion. And we know then they God is loving, but God is also just, all right? And no stone is going to be unturned when it comes to the Lord. And then fourthly, which I always love, is restoration, okay? Talks about restoration. That's where we see, hey, can these dry bones live, right? Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. You know. You already know. And so we see that rest, that restoration, the promise of restoration, which we also see in Jeremiah, which we also see in Isaiah. We see in the prophets. Although there was sin and judgment coming, God was always going to send restoration to his people because that's his heart. Amen? That's always God's heart. All right, so that was kind of a quick, hopefully quick. Good. Amen. I try to quick Amen. That's kind of a quick overview to give us an understanding of the prophets, okay? And of where we are in Ezekiel. Alright, so now we can open up to Ezekiel chapter 2, please. The last time I did chapter 1, I believe. A while ago. There we go. Amen. 
So I'll briefly go over the outline. So um, the title of the message, like I said before, um, called and commissioned by God, the Lord's watchman. Nowadays, we have so many people that claim they're called. I'm called this. I'm, we have people that are self-appointed and not anointed. Amen? <laughs> and so we have so many people that, that we walk around and, and we're, we're claiming someone's calling or we're claiming we've been called by this person we're claiming we've been called by that person. We'll see in Scripture that if someone is called by God, it will be evident. And if someone is 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 uh, anointed by God and given God's word, you will know it. And they don't need to tell you that because you're going to see it. And that's when it, when it comes to us, each and every one of us, if you're a born-again believer, believe it or not, you are called as well. And called has to do with purpose. You're not called for no reason, all right? If someone calls you on the phone, they don't just call us to hear silence, right? They call you for a purpose. And so when we think about calling, it's, it's God placing a call in your life for a purpose in your life, all right? And most importantly, the Lord's watching. So, uh, uh, point one on here, and, and I kind of messed up the number, but I'm following the praise Lord. Uh, when God calls you, you're going to see over and over in these verses that we see that God speaks over and over and over. He says, I will speak to you. You will hear from me. You will speak to them. You will say, let say the Lord over and over. I will speak to you. You will hear my words. You will speak my words to them. You will say, let say the Lord over and over and over. So when you're called, God will speak to you. Okay. Now, back then, I was speaking to audible voice. People were kind of visions. There was many ways God would speak to people. But mainly today, how does God speak to people? Well, this right here. This right here, amen? I think it was Hebrews 1 that said in Bible's time, Sunday times, God spoke through the prophets, but now he speaks through his son. And Jesus said, I am the word. So this is all Christ right here. If you want to know God's calling your words, calling you, you need to be in his presence, in his word. Amen? You need to be right there. All right? Faith in there. Right upon line, precept upon precept, amen? And so, for the woman, God calls you, he will speak to you, and he will give you the message, okay? You don't have to go research it. Well, study for yourself proof, of course. But you don't have to go research it, but it's right here, and God will give you the message, and he will give you the word. He will also show you who you are called to, amen? Because guess what? I may not be able to minister to certain people. That may not be my call to that group of people, but it may be to you. And it's up to us. We need to be faithful, Right? We need to be faithful, but guess where we're going to get that direction from? From the Lord, okay? Second, he will show you the cost of the calling. Woo, it's a heavy one. Jesus says, remember in Luke, he says, must count the cost. If anyone follow me, then what? Pick up his cross. Deny himself. Follow me. If anyone loves mother, father, son, daughter, or even his own life more than me, he is not worthy of me. That is the cost of the calling, right? It's not, it's not, it's not free, it's not cheap. If Jesus offered it all, and no, and no servant is greater than his master, right? And how much more so us, right? There, there's a cost to the call, right? Well, I tell people, with every blessing, there's a burden, okay? With every blessing, there's a burden. And so there is a cost and there is a burden. And uh, last part of this, uh, fourthly, he will give you a burden for your mission field. Right? You guys hear Pastor Dave say it a lot. Um, a burden is a spawning ground for a calling, you know? And I say a burden is the first place for your calling. You will have a burden specifically for that minister, for that people. I particularly have a burden for kids, children, and families. And so I work at a, a at-risk running two group homes, and I, that's my heart. You know, it breaks my heart to see broken families. Because the, the marriage and the family was the first institution that God made. Right? That's how we're going to solve light to the world, is through godly families, through godly marriages. Right? That's what makes up the church. The church is a household of families and believers. That's what makes it up. And so we're saw light starts at first in the families. 
in the institution of the whole. And so I have a burden for that. By the sudden, God has me. Past 10 years, I work with children and families. I now have the grace to do youth ministry here. I love it. It's a wonderful thing, but I have a burden for it. And, and I know now, God gave it to me. It wasn't something that was just conjured up, right? God gave it to me. So he'll give you a burden. Secondly, commission, answering the call. I know a lot of people that are calling. They're going to send a God to voice Amen? Don't do that. Don't send the Lord a voice call. Answer the call. He will commission us. We are sent into this world, and his word must be our delight. If God is going to give us the message, we need to delight in it. I want to see Ezekiel. He has his vision, and he, and he eats the scroll in the vision, and he says it's, it's like honey to his mouth. He just delights in the word of God. And when we're called by God and we're, we're walking in our calling, the word must be delightful to us. I love the psalmist in Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your word is my meditation day and night. And then all throughout the word, how he loves it. It's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, on how the word is just sweet to the taste. And so we must delight in his word. Also, too, we must be obedient to where and who God calls us to. Here we go. No matter the difficulty. So it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it was okay to be a priest because a priest is a very familiar office. I'm offering the sacrifices. I'm interceding for people. But when you got called to be a prophet, that's when things change. Because guess what? People don't like to hear repent. You have to tell people they're wrong. Who wants to do that? Who wants to volunteer for that program? I know I don't. I want to tell people, see, you got to say, you're good, you're beautiful, you're a good person, all that good stuff. Right? But at the end of the day, that's not loving people. Okay? And so we have to uh, be faithful to the calling, even if it means it's going to cause us danger or persecution or people not liking us or loss of friends on Facebook and Instagram. It doesn't matter, right? We want to be faithful to the call to be obedient no matter the difficulty. And we're going to see that with Ezekiel over and over. He said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They're a rebellious house. They're impotent. They will not listen to me. They will not listen to you. But do not be afraid. I will strengthen you. And so God is going to give us that. God will send us, sustain us, and strengthen us. So may we not grow weary due to the world and those who reject the message. Guess what? We're responsible for delivering the message. We're not responsible for the response. Okay? We're responsible for being faithful. We're not responsible for how people respond. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit's job. And that gives me great delight to know I'm not responsible for that. Amen? Great delight. God will take care of that. But we need to be faithful ambassadors. And then lastly, being a watchman. Okay? We're all called to be watchmen. So really quick, a watchman back then, what they would do is they would walk the walls of the city looking for imminent danger or enemies that were going to come into, come into uh, the nation of Israel. All right? And if, one, if, one, if they saw imminent danger, they would sound the alarm. They would warn them. Danger. It's coming. They're warning. And they'd also shout the time. Okay? What time of day it was. So their job as a watchman was to shout and look out for intimate danger and anything that was going to come in that was going to harm them. That's what sin does. It harms. It separates us from God. It breaks fellowship with God. It destroys relationships. It cripples the body of Christ. And I can go on and on and on and on. Alright? And so they were to send warning. And all of us are to do the same thing too. We are responsible to warn and turn others to the Lord. God wills that none shall perish. Keep God's character in mind. All right? Amen? Awesome. Praise the Lord. Bible open? All right. So, I know you're not going to remember from last time, but I'm briefly going to say it. As he goes into this chapter, he had just saw the vision of the, the, the ox. He saw the, the appearances of fire. I mean, it's a lot. 
And this is just, you got to keep in mind, this is just the words that he had to explain it. I'm sure there's unspeakable words to explain. That's just how he envisioned it. But he saw that, and when he saw it, this is the response that all of us should have to be in the presence of the Lord. Is He says right here in verse 20, uh, 28 of chapter 1, you have to go there. He says, when I saw it, this is the glory of God, that vision. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. That is the perfect place to be to hear from God. It's been said that true worship is obedience and obedience. It's bowing and posturing other worship to God and then obeying what he tells us to do. But he says, I fell on my face. In verse 1 he says, he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. This term son of man is mentioned over 90 times in this book and again it refers to Ezekiel being a representative of mankind. All right? We saw Jesus uses that same term as well. His is a different one, specifying him being the Messiah. And Ezekiel had to stand on his feet because he was bowing in humble adoration, out of worship. He had to stand on his feet and get up because he's still prostrated in worship due to the vision that he has. And then in verse, make sure I'm in the right verse, then he says, and I will speak to you. And then verse 2, he says, then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. Wonderful. I will speak to you. This is the thing in the next 15 plus verses. And this is, this is how you know when you're called. God will speak to you. So in the next preceding verses, he says, I will speak to you. I heard the one who spoke to me. You will hear my words. You will say to them, I am sending you. Give them my words. I will speak to you. You will hear my words. Cherish my words in your heart. Speak to them my words. Over and over and over and over and over. When you see something like this emphasized in scripture, we need to take heed. We need to take heed. There's a reason why he says speak my words. Because typically when we get in a place where we're uncomfortable, what do we usually go back to? My words. Not his what I think. When we're in a place of comfortability, we, we go back to usually, well, well, what is my opinion on that? Well, what do I think they need to hear? What's my experience? Okay, your experience. Our experiences should never dictate the word of God. The word of God should dictate our experience. So if I had an experience and it doesn't line up with scripture, then I shouldn't wrestle with that experience as being true in scripture. If that makes sense. I had, I had a, a person that I ministered to who, yes, struggles with alcohol, and then he told me, well, Jesus said it was okay for me to drink and get drunk, and that, that's been my experience. Well, no, boss, that's not my So I know, I know, oh, and I just told him, hey, man, I love you, but that's not true. The Bible says don't be drunk and lying, man. We feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're right. I think it is in there somewhere. You're right. And so but, uh, we tend to, when we, get, uh, when we get uncomfortable, we tend to go back to our experience or what we want or kind of what we feel is right, but he tells Ezekiel, my words, okay? Speak my words, speak what I tell you to speak. And I think at the end of the day, when you think about it, that's just much easier. Because I don't know who's going to be right. Amen. I'm not always going to be right. I might think I am, but I'm not. But speak his words. He says, and I will speak to you. And I love how he said the Spirit answered me. Saints, we have to be spirit 
we have to allow the Spirit to live and move inside of us. And I love it that when he spoke the words, the Spirit accompanied and came into him. In fact, we can't even understand God's word apart from his Spirit. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2. He says, the natural man does not receive the things of God. They're foolishness to him because they're spiritually appraised. We need God's Holy Spirit to discern God's holy word. So do God's holy purpose. And so God does everything through his spirit. And so as God speaking to Ezekiel, he's also accompanied with the spirit and the word. Amen? Verse 2. He says, Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me. Oh, I just read that. Amen. I'll read it again. Praise the Lord. I'll read it again. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the house, to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Oh, yay. What a great place to go. Yay, I'm volunteering for that one. Thanks, Lord. That doesn't seem like the best place to go. They all have rebelled against the Lord. I don't want to go there. Send me to the church. Send me to the people that are obedient. I'll talk to them. I don't want to go there. So here's the birth, here's the calling. Is he's being sent. And he's just telling them, this is where I'm going to send you. You don't get to choose. Alright? You don't get to choose. And you know where the hardest place to minister? Your own people. In your own home. When Jesus said, a prophet would die honor in his own land. And for whatever reason, that's just the way it is. For whatever reason, I'm from Oscar, but I'm here. Scott Bassett. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Maybe they wouldn't receive me. But for whatever reason, God sent me here. For now. Until, until the Lord puts me somewhere else. I'm here. But he's sending them to the house of Israel. But look what he says about them. They are a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. Well, how so? This is the hard condition of your mission field. They have a history of rebellion against God, even to this day. And remember, I gave you guys kind of the history. If you guys want to, when you have a chance, read Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, I think Psalm 78, I think Psalms like 105. It gives like just a, a huge history of Israel and, the, and their, their unfaithfulness. Just a continuous of unfaithfulness and turning from the Lord and, and just looking at it. It's, it's a very hard place to be in. When you continuously rebel against God over and over and over, because the more you are away from God, the harder your heart gets. And the more it affects you and separates you from the Lord. But guess what? God still loves them. That's why he's commissioning someone to go speak to them and turn them. Sorry. The golden calf. Worshiping the God of Moloch. Offering children in a sacrifice. Wicked leaders, kings, and prophets, sexual morality, everyone was doing what's right in their own eyes, no fear of God before them. This is the people, the heart condition of the people that he was being commissioned to. It just it's intimidating just reading. Would you want to be the pastor of that church? Is that a place that seems desirable to go to? No. But judges, judgment must start at the house of God. This is not a people. That have never heard of God is not a people that are unfamiliar. He says you're going to a very familiar people, but they're very, very rebellious. 
and you need to speak my words to them, Ezekiel. Speak my words to them. Look what else we said. Verse 4. He says, For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. Impudent and stubborn. It means hard, cruel, difficult, stiff-hearted teenagers. <laughs> like teenagers. I remember when I was about 15, 16, and I had a, uh, some of you guys are aware, some of you are not. My mom and dad were on drugs. Um, I lived with my grandma. My grandma raised me, and so I would see my mom come and go. Didn't really have a good relationship with her. Um, eventually, she got clean by the grace of God. I eventually moved in with her when I was 16. Um, and I'll be honest, everything she said to me, I, I the opposite. Every time. My heart was stiff. It came to the point where it came to washing my hands. I said, make sure you wash your hands. I turned the water, I wouldn't wash it. Just because. Nope. You weren't there. Not, I'm not washing. Well, I'm going to pretend like I am. And when I come out, you're going to think I did. In my mind, I got over on it. And that's what it was. I was a stiff-hearted, stiff-necked. It didn't matter. She had, there was nothing wrong with her intention. She just had to wash my hands. I built for me. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is when your heart gets hardened over time, you rebel against the Lord, and you keep doing that, you get stiff-hearted, stiff-necked, you refuse correction. Uh, one thing that uh, came to me when I, when I was studying uh, in uh, 2 Chronicles 26, King Uzziah, uh, he did really, really well at first, and then said when his heart was puffed up with pride, he tried to go into the altar and offer fire, offer incense, okay? And then 80 priests came in and said, yo, 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 bro, what are you doing? What's going on? And it angered him, and he got very, very angry, and he got prideful, and he got stiff-hearted, and then eventually God had to judge him and judge him with leprosy. And then he was isolated from the people of God, and then he died alone. Okay? This is an example of stiff-hearted and stiff-necked does. It's what he does to you. Okay? Just easier to obey the Lord. But then again, these are the people he's been sent to. And that's just like the world we live in. This nation right now, what we're seeing this, uh, impudence, stiff-necked, is that America? Is that California or what? They call good evil, evil good. You can't speak about any holy thing. You're, 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 oh, you're a bigot. You can't, you can't speak of the truth. How are you going to tell us what we can love? Love is love. Love is love. I can love my dog. I can marry my dog. I can do it, and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But they knew the truth. Like Jesus said, the truth is set free. Amen? God's people were never meant to be in bondage. We can't worship the Lord. Our worship is compromised in bondage. We can't worship in freedom in bondage. And this is where the people of God were. And so he tells them, they're impudent, they're stubborn, stiff-hearted, like Pharaoh. You guys remember Pharaoh? Hardened his heart. Then he asked for relief. God gave it to him. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm not taking it. Harden his heart again. And so it's been said that the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. The same sun. And so we need to beware. What areas in our walks of the Lord are we in rebellion? We have to take a personal inventory. What areas are we stiff hearted at the Lord? You know, I have someone really close to me that I love him. Uh, he won't go to church in like five or six years. Breaks my heart. And he claims he's seeking the Lord. I can just tell him he's lacking the joy. The joy of the fellowship. Oh my. I love that. 
He's lacking the joy of the fellowship. It's impossible to grow without being a fellowship. And so, on one hand, that may not look, well, that's not bad. That's not a big deal. He's not going to church. It is a big deal. It's openly saying, I love the Lord, but I don't enjoy being around your bride. I hear so many times, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. Going to church doesn't save you. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. Those are all good things. But saved people do both of those things. Amen? And so, what areas when we look? What areas in our life when we do rebellion are we stiff-hearted and stubborn? Is it with our children? Is it at work? Is it serving with our gifts, what God has given us? Each of us have to take a personal inventory. We want to do what's pleasing to the Lord. We don't want to be the people that God has to, someone that God has to send someone to. We're supposed to be the ones going to others and pointing people back. Amen? First slide. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, they are a rebellious house, yet they will know a prophet was among them. And so it's still continuing the theme. They're rebellious. They will not hear. Um, they're not going to listen to you, but you still need to go to them. So he kind of lays out uh, who he's sending them to, who he's calling them to, their mission field. Excuse me. And I love this. He says, but they'll know that a prophet has been among them. So Deuteronomy gives us the kind of the, the framework to tell to true prophets from false prophets. False prophets will do two things. One, they'll lie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, their word won't come true, and they'll turn you to worship other gods. Okay? So when he says they will know, no matter what, no matter how they respond to the message, no matter how they respond to what you bring to them, no matter what it may be, they're going to know that a prophet has been among them. Because what you say is going to come true. Amen. And that's how you know when you when God speaks to you, you will know it. You don't have to you don't have to guess because God's not a God of confusion. You won't have to try to figure it out. I know when I when I first got called, I, I to be honest, I was I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Send somebody else. I'm not doing it. Period. That's, and that was my attitude. And God was very and He was nice and creative, and so I started off just having hosting Bible studies. Okay. Oh, okay. I won't fully do it, but like, I'll host I'll host the study. So, you know, we'll do what's we'll Let's do that. Right, so that, that's called delayed obedience, by the way. And that's disobedience. Okay? So we started off doing that, and I got a guy teaching it, and then all of a sudden that guy just left, disappeared. I didn't want him to go away, so I kind of was like, okay, Lord, I guess I'll do it. Okay. Didn't know what I was doing. Still don't know what I was doing. Stepped in, started just doing just a basic Bible study. And as I started being obedient, and I'm starting to understand now kind of what it was, as I started being obedient, I started to have dreams of scripture. Like, and I thought something was wrong with me. I would cry when I read scripture, and I started having dreams of passages of scripture, and I would see it. I would actually see scripture on the page. I would know it's on the right side at the bottom left corner. I would know it's in the middle, right, right smack in the middle. And it'd be, it'd be just random scriptures and the gospels and the Old Testament and Proverbs. And then as, as I would have those, this happened for like eight months, straight. And it would just constantly. And next thing you know, I was daydreaming about Scripture. Like, people would think they're crazy. I was daydreaming about Scripture. I didn't know what it was. What is this? I'm, I loved it. I, I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. And then as I was teaching, I, I'm teaching and I'm hearing, and cross-references are coming to me. Oh, that's, oh, that's in Hebrews 2. That's in Proverbs. And, I, and I'm talking to myself. 
I'm talking about something. And when I got here, and my wife probably doesn't remember, well, I would sit right here in the front and have my notebook. Who's at the other place? Have my notebook out. And I was so happy because he was preaching the Bible. I was like, yes, we're reading the same book. But as he's preaching the Bible, scriptures would come to me as he's preaching that are lining right up with what he's saying. Oh, he's preaching right here. Oh, there's one here, here's a cross, here's a cross. And it almost like I couldn't focus. But we know that part wasn't come out. But I had to realize what was going on. For me, that's what God's speaking to me. This is going to be your call. You're going to minister my gospel to my people. And you're not going to be ignored from it because you're going to be miserable until you answer the call. And that's exactly what it was for me. And so then I tried to hide out children's ministry. And so I said, okay, I'll teach the kids. And I was like, no, I'll teach the kids. And so I'll teach the kids, teach the kids, and then eventually, God must have spoke to Pastor Nathan. I don't know what it was, but he came to me and then asked me to do this. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not But he can try to do it. Anyway, long story short, when God speaks to you, you will know. And it took me a while to understand and get it, but once I grasped it, I just said, okay, Lord, that's going to be faithful. That's going to be faithful. And thank God, the first message I taught, I think only John and Sue were here in town. So the rest don't remember, so praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. And so, God, God will show you the cost of the calling. He shows you the people that they're going to. Verse 6. And he says, And son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house. There's a reason why he's telling them. When God said, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, that means because he's probably afraid. Okay? Now, you have to remember, Ezekiel grew up on the prophecies of Jeremiah. You guys remember what happened to Jeremiah? When Jeremiah spoke the truth, they said, hey, bro, come here, man. Paraphrase. Hey, you can stop saying what you're saying. We won't kill you. Just like that. And Jeremiah was afraid for his life. Jeremiah was terrified. The people told him, don't speak those things to us. We don't want to hear it. And so, you guys remember when Jesus lamented over Jerusalem, what did he say? He said, oh, oh, Jerusalem, you stoned and killed the prophets and the people I sent to you. Being a prophet was a very, very dangerous commission. Very dangerous. And God is telling them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Though you're in that land, though you're in a place full of sin and rebellion and rejection, and though it's going to sting maybe when they reject you, I'm going to be with you. Do not be afraid, even though they're a rebellious house. Now, briars and thorns and scorpions, it usually is a picture of evil and sin. It could have been the, the sting of what it will feel like when they constantly reject your message over and over and over, which is very discouraging, you can imagine, when you're coming to someone and you're trying to turn them back to the Lord and you're ministering to them and they just don't want it. They don't want to have it. They could care less. Um, it, 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 it feels a certain way. You feel like discouraged. You know, Lord, am I even am I making an impact? Lord, am I even having an impact on you? He says, no, do not be afraid. They're not going to hear you regardless. But your obedience isn't predicated on their response. I'll say that again. Our obedience isn't predicated on the way people respond to our calling. I can't just be obedient when people respond well. I need to be obedient whether they respond well or whether they don't respond to it. Right? Because we are the Lord's watchman. 
We've been commissioned by the Lord. And so we do what he tells us to do. That's what we are under. Amen? Darkness does not like light. I always tell people, truth will always sound like hate for those who hate truth. Always. All the time. Oh, God. And when I try to mention people, oh, no, 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 you're just, you're self-righteous. And I may be sometimes. I, I have to eat that sometimes. But when you're just simply telling someone, hey, man, I just want you, you know, the Lord loves you, Lord, you know, no, he doesn't exist, he doesn't. And it's over, and it's over, and over, and over. I even had a family member who recently, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll believe God when he physically comes down and right in front of me. I said, but you didn't, you don't have to see the aliens? Because he believed aliens. It's great aliens. I said, but you didn't have to see the aliens that created all this? I don't understand. Well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just won't believe. And so we know the Bible says only two types of people, suppressors of truth and professors of truth. And we know at the end of the day, they, a lot of them suppress it. But that doesn't mean we don't tell them. It doesn't mean we don't tell them. So we've got to count the cost. We must be faithful to tell the truth of the gospel to whoever the Spirit leads us to. We cannot be led in fear. Okay? The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. Okay? I've been told that whomever you fear, you will obey. If you fear man, you're going to surrender to what they're requesting you to do. If you fear God, you're going to obey and be faithful to his call. Who do you fear? A healthy fear of God will lead you to him and obey him. A counterfeit fear of God will put you in rebellion. Which one? Let's be faithful. Amen? Let's be faithful. Verse 8. He says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I will give you. He says, do not be like them. A lot of times we need to be careful is when we go minister to people not to get caught in their sins. Okay? We need to pray for wisdom. Alright? A lot of people will call you into help and say they need this and they need that. And next thing you know, you're entertaining what they're telling you or you're starting to think and meditate on what they're telling you. You need to be careful to keep yourself pure. Okay? We need to be careful to realize and have wisdom that when we minister to people, we're not to have that fellowship. Right? Fellowship is sharing common interests. We're ministering the gospel to them, but we're not to get caught in. That's what uh, he's telling Ezekiel. Hey, you're going to them. They're rebellious house. They're rebellious people. But don't be like them. Okay, You're ministering to them, but you're not to be like them. And so that is the call. And he says, open your mouth and eat what I give you. And I love that picture here of what he's about to give them. And so he'll give you a burden for your, your mission field. We're going to see that right here. Verse 9. Ready? I'll speed that, like always. Amen. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was written on the inside, on uh, inside and outside, written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. Wow. And so on the scroll... I think uh, John had I think John had something like that in Revelation. 
Um, Jeremiah said I ate and it was it was it was tasty to my you know it was very sweet to my taste. And so I don't believe he physically ate, ate what he, what's on there. What's about the I don't believe he physically ate it. But what is on there is what the picture is is that God's going to give him his heart towards the people of Israel. Is that he's broken. He's lamenting over the condition of the people. And before we minister to people, we need to have a burden and a heart for where they are. We need to have a burden. Is our burden for the lost? As we spend time in God's presence, he will reveal his heart to us and give us a burden for our calling. So mourning, lamentation was a passionate expression of grief. And it was usually accompanied by the beating of the chest. An um, example comes to mind in Luke where they had to, uh, the two pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. We know what the Pharisees say. Oh Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I tithe. I pray. I do all these things. And he, he just had a very self-righteous prayer. But the tax collector, the Bible says, he did not even look to heaven, but he beat his chest. I said, be merciful to me. A sinner. He was immortal. That was he was lamenting because of his sin. And he showed that by the beating of his chest. And so these are what is what's written on there. Mourning is a sign of a sign of moaning. God mourns when he when we sin. It breaks his heart. Sin is not good. Wailing woes are like wailings. You get all the woes of the Pharisees. Oh, you Pharisees, woe you tax collectors. Uh, well to them. It's great grief, and it's, it's God's heart. And so God is going to give us a heart for the people He sent us to minister to. And I, I thank God for that, because we will not be successful ministering to people if we don't have empathy. Okay? We need empathy. We need to feel their pain in our heart. We need to feel God's heart in our heart. That's going to help us be a better minister. So I love how the fact that God will give us a burden for our calling has given us. All right, amen. End of point one. So, the calling. When God calls you, he will speak to you. He will give you the message from his word or confirm from his word. He, he, now notice it's all he, 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 he. He will do all this. He will show you who you're called to. He will show you the cost of the calling. Remain humble, faithful, and obedient. He will give you a burden for your mission field. His heart towards the people. Point number two, the commission. All right, now he's spoken to you. Now he's giving you instruction and all this. Now it's time for the commission. It's not just the hearers of the word that are just, but are doers. It makes no sense to hear what God says, feel what God says, and not act on it. Amen? Right? We're not, we're not supposed to be pupitated hanging out. God gives us a call and commission. We need to be faithful ambassadors. Amen? All right, chapter three. There. Yeah, we'll do chapter, <laughs> chapter three. The commission. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. Digest it. Eat it. And then go. You guys remember the gospels? They spent time with Jesus. They got the message. They saw what he did. And eventually, what? He said, go. You're not, you're not going to say people hanging, just hanging out with me. You need to go, take what I've given you, and give it to the people. That's why I love Moses as an example. Moses went up in the mountain, got God's word directly, 
came right back down. Let's save the Lord. Here you go. And the mountain got God's word, meditated on it, came right back down, gave God's word directly to the people. Directed also the message, gave it, framed it in a way that people that he felt people would receive it, but he gave it directly to the Lord. That I would we want to be faithful ambassadors like that and messengers. And he says, Go speak to the house of Israel. And he said, verse 2, he says, So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. I don't believe, my belief, I could be wrong. I don't believe he physically ate the scroll. I believe if you read through it, he's going back and forth from talking about what God said and what he experienced in the vision, talking about what God told him and what he experienced in the vision. And so I don't believe he physically ate it, but I do believe the imagery of him eating the scroll, eating God's word, is going to have a lasting effect on his ministry. Right? Just like when we have our prayer time in our prayer closet and we have our alone time with God, we get revelation from God's word, directly from God's word, and it has a lasting impact on the people we minister to. And the Holy Spirit will bring it out right at the right time. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Ooh. So he says, he caused me to eat the scroll, and he said to me, son of man, feed your belly, fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. So now Ezekiel has digested God's message that he's supposed to give, and he was instructed to feed his belly. Now, I love how this part is right when he says go. Right when he's been commissioned to go to the house of Israel, he's feeding on the word of God, on the message of God, and it is tasteful to him. It is tasteful. Now, we have to ask ourselves, are we delighted with the word of God? Do we delight when we meditate on God's word? Is it delightful to us? Or is it just another book? Because let's be honest, a lot of us read a lot of books. We have a little series that we read, and we can't wait to get to the next one, and our little endorphins are going, we're all excited. Are we like that for the Word of God? The most exciting book that we should be ready for is God's Word. Remember when all the false disciples in John 6? When Jesus was like, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And most of them were like, whoa, that's a hard saying. We're good. We're not doing that. And the Bible says that many of them walked with him no more. And they turned to the twelve and said, will you also go away? What did Peter say? He said, oh Lord, only you have the words to everlasting life. Only you. These, this is the word that we need to digest and meditate on. We can only get it from God and we need it. It's our soul food. And um, Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. And there's a saying, it says that the word of God, I believe it was dispersion. If the word of God be not very sweet to me, have I an appetite? Solomon says, The full soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Ah, when well, the soul is full of itself and of the world and of the pleasures of sin, 
I do not wonder that it sees no sweetness in Christ, for it has no appetite. And see, so we can't intermingle the things of the world and the things of Christ. We need to have an appetite for God's word. This is part of your calling, my brothers and sisters. And I don't say these things to shame you, but to love brothers and sisters, I warn you. Keep the word of God the apple of God. Don't let anything get in the way. That's your first love, is the word of God. We need it. And so he tells Ezekiel, eat it, feed your belly, be satisfied with it. Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah 15, 16, he says, your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me, and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord, God of hosts. In the Psalms of Psalm 1, it says, his delight was in the law of the Lord, and on his law did he meditate day and night. So I love, I love that. Is that we need to meditate and find delight in God's word. That's awesome. Verse 4. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to, a un sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Oh, man. You are not sent to the pagan, idolatrous, idolatrous nations that don't understand you, that don't speak your language, but to the nation of Israel who speak the same language as you they do not have an excuse. If I don't understand what you're saying, I have an excuse. I, I, I didn't hear you. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what you're saying. They say, you're not going to those people. You're going to the people who know the covenants of God. Like Paul said, I think it was Romans 9 and Romans 3. He said, what benefit is it being a Jew? He said, much more for to them were committed the oracles of God. They have the most benefit. They have all to them the covenants and the promises and the adoption they had all those things. And it's such a sad, sad state for a nation to be in when they're that far away from the Lord and out of his presence. Sometimes, it's been said, a little bit of truth to it, sometimes it's better to not have known than to know and to depart. Because with knowledge comes accountability. And they involve the most known people. And of us, this generation, we're the most accountable people. We have Bible apps. We have, we have, we have, we have, we have the Bible being read to us on our phones. We have all these radio stations. We have YouTube. We have Venmo. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have all these things. We have all these commentaries, all these books, all these resources. There's going to be no excuse for anybody in this generation to not have a relationship with the Lord. Especially when he's constantly stretching out his hand. Over and over and over. But like Isaiah said, not all have obeyed the gospel, unfortunately. But that's why faith comes by him and him by the word. So we need to be faithful. And he says, they won't listen to you. That's encouraging. <laughs> and so he's telling him, hey, you go, just, just listen. Your success is not going to be based off of how them responding to it the right way. 
Your success is going to be based off of you being faithful to take my words that I gave you and give it directly to them. Okay? Our success is based on how faithful we are to God, not on how people respond. So let that be encouraging to all of us. Is not everybody's going to receive us. Now, we shouldn't be arrogant or self-righteous and give the Bible pounding people on the ground with it. We shouldn't do that. But we should be faithful to at least with our life. People should know you're a Christian. If we go to work and I ask them on this and they, and they laugh and we say you're a Christian, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. I, I know by the grace of God, I go to work, people change their behavior. And I tell them, I, don't, I mean, I'm the way God's always listening and always watching. I am not here, but I'm glad I have an impact. <laughs> I'm glad I have an impact. Even the kids, oh no, Joshua, I can't curse. We shouldn't be cursing anyway. But since I'm here, okay, amen. But we should have an impact no matter where we go. No matter where we go, we should have an impact. We must be obedient to where and who God calls us to, no matter the difficulty. God is going to strengthen us. Look at verse 8. Behold, I have made your face strong against their face, and strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their forehead, like an adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Make your face strong like adamant flame. So the imagery here is that these are stiff-necked, rebelling people, and they are strong in their way of rebellion. There's really, there's no, at this point, there's no turn. I mean, it's going to be a supernatural miracle. What God says is Ezekiel, as strong as they are in rebellion, I have made you that strong in faithfulness and courage and dependence on me. And so when you meet with them, you will not be moved. When you go deliver your message, you will not be dismayed. That's why I am encouraging you. I am going to be with you. And is it good to know that whether it's with our family, whether it's at work, whether it's out in the grocery store, that we have the strength of God. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're alone. Sometimes you're going to be discouraged. I deal with that all the time. But I always look at the scriptures. And I see that Jesus' own family denied him. And he was the king of the universe. They gossiped about him. They talked about him. They said he was a blasphemer. And he was perfect. How? And then we get mad when someone says something about us. How do you tell them? Good thing they don't know the whole truth about you. Right? <laughs> That's all I think about it. They said something. Yeah, well, it could have been worse. <laughs> it could have been worse. But at the same time, we have to remember, it's not about us. It's about being faithful to God. It's about being faithful to his call and knowing that he shall never leave us nor forsake us and that he loves us enough to equip us, to strengthen us, to sustain us. And that's the difference between being called by a man and being called by God. If you're called by a man, you're going to depend on them to strengthen you, to encourage you, to give you direction, and they're going to fail. And that's what man does. They've proven that all throughout the ministry. But if it's God, his word shall never fail. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And it's his words that give us strength. And it's his words that will enlighten us. And it's his words that will give us wisdom. Remember 1 Samuel, he told him, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. 
Bible says that whatever we do to the least of them, we've done unto him. And so when people reject or refuse us loving on them and trying to lead them to the Lord, they're rejecting the Lord. And our hearts will be broken over it, but we're being faithful. We should continue to be faithful. And just as the Lord faced opposition, very similar, I remember in Luke chapter 9, it said that he set his face like flame to Jerusalem, to the cross. Just as the opposition was strong in that direction, his obedience and his heart for the world was strong in the cross direction, the cross of Calvary. The cross that has redeemed you and I. Amen? All right. First tip. Ready? Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, receive into your heart my words that I may speak to you and hear with your ears and go and get the cap get to the captives, the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. That phrase, thus saith the Lord God, 4,500 times in the Old Testament. This is God's self-attesting revelation of himself. No other book, no other religious book claimed to be written by God. This is the only one. Thus says the Lord. Receive into my heart all the words, into your all the words. What I notice here, all through this, this, this whole time, he's saying, you're going to the children of Israel. You're going to the children of Israel. Speak to the children of Israel. Then he comes here, and he now says to the captives, the children of your now personal. You've been commissioned. I've given you what you need. You've been strengthened. My burden is now your burden. Go and be faithful. But treasure my words in your heart. That's why I love some, uh, Psalm 119, I've hidden your word inside my heart that I may not sin against you. So God will send us. He will sustain us, strengthen us. May we not grow weary Do to the world and those who reject the message. Your people. God's calling should become personal to us. Not that it's our ministry, because it's headed by Christ, but part of our hearts, because it's part of God's heart. We should always depend on the Lord for strength, wisdom, and direction. Where are your God's heart? You don't have to answer me, obviously. Think about it. Where's your burden? When you read scripture, you see where the burden that the Lord has. Does our heart line up with that? It's something that we should pray about. I pray every day, Lord, give me the wisdom to see people, places, and things the way you do. Because if I know if I see it the way he does, I can't go wrong. But I know if I depend on what I think, I can't lean on my own understanding. But I have to treasure his words in my heart. After the light in his words, because he's going to give me the ultimate direction. Amen? Praise the Lord. Verse 12, he said, Then the Spirit lifted me up. And I heard behind me a great thunderous voice Blessed is the glory of the Lord from this place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness 
and the heart of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. So he was at his place. The Bible said he had a house where he was. So he was inconvenienced. He was abruptly lifted up from where he was, and he was put right there where those captives were, right by the river. Uh, I think it was Chabar. Chabar. Yeah, by the river Chabar. He was right there with the captives. And he said he was taken away in bitterness. The word bitterness means angry, discontent, heavy. And he said, the heat of my spirit, that means rage, burning anger, hot displeasure. He is embodying God's heart towards the rebellion of the people. His heart is grieved, just like God's heart is grieved. Like in the Psalms of David, was like, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I'm, because of my allegiance to you, I stand on the opposite side of anyone who's on the other side is that he's embodied that. But I went away in the bitterness and the heat of my spirit. And I love this part. Because you know the Bible says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so him left alone with just his anger, it wouldn't have been a good result. It's okay if Jesus took the table, but I can't flip the tables. Because I might flip two, three, four, five more than Jesus did. I don't have the self-control he has. I need to depend on him. But I love how he says, but the Lord's hand was strong upon him. What that means is that his hand strengthened him, sustained, encouraged, and supported him. And what always comes to mind, like when I look at the Apostle Paul, when we look at ministry, like when, 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 you, when you look at serving the Lord, remember every blessing has, has a burden, so people aren't always going to receive you, they're not always going to be grateful for your time, they're not always going to say thank you for your sacrifice, which we don't, we don't need that anyway, right? We're, we're profitable servants for the Lord. But I look at a particular passage in 2 Timothy 4, I believe. And the Apostle Paul is talking about it. And he says, at my first defense of the gospel, everybody left me. I'm by myself. Apostle Paul, these are people that labor with me, that planted churches with me. And my first defense, they were out. Chuck the deuce is out. And Paul said, but the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me with his righteous right hand. And so we look back and, and we have to be encouraged to know that even though you may feel alone and even though you may feel discouraged, the Lord's hand is always strong upon you. You cannot forget that. Your feelings are a bad manager. We need to let the Holy Spirit manage us. And so Ezekiel was like, I was angry. I was grieved. I felt God's heart towards the matter. But his hand was strong upon me and it encouraged me. And it put me in the right place to be faithful unto God. He's never going to call us to do anything that he's not going to equip us, sustain us, and give us the strength to do. Amen? And so Ezekiel's in this time where he's, been, he's out of the presence of God for the rebellion of his people. He's been called to deliver the message to a people who are not going to receive it. And he knows that. But yet he's still called to be faithful. But he's called and he's equipped. And he's commissioned. Amen? Moses, Lord, if you don't come with me, I'm not going love that. Jesus, the Father has not left me alone. <laughs> the Father is with me. <laughs> I always do the things that please Him. John chapter 8. And like I just said, Paul, he said, everybody left me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Amen? We must be obedient to where God calls us to, no matter the difficulty. I love that. And I'll end it here. Verse 15, then I came to the captives of Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Shabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished 
among them seven days. Number seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And so when he came, I want it interesting to know, he came upon the people that he's supposed to deliver the message, he didn't say anything. You must wait on the Lord to speak for the divine appointment. He did not say anything, but what he did was, is he sat there and he grieved with them. He grieved with them. Psalm 137 talks about it a little bit. 137 says this, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested murder, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. And we said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, they were out of the presence of the Lord. And like Job's friends, when they came, they didn't say anything right away. They sat with him and they wept with those who wept. And Ezekiel came and sat with them, the people, and he sat there astonished. And he was grieved, but he didn't say a word. And for seven days, he grieved with them. And so, part of our calling is meeting with those who weep. It's when we have empathy, when we have their pain in our heart for what they're going through. And the Lord will give you that. Sometimes, it's best just to weep with them in silence and wait until the Spirit gives you utterance to speak. So there's the encouragement. Amen? All right. I'll have to, I get an opportunity next time. Praise the Lord. We'll finish. Someone told me there's a lot of people who try to get through both chapters, but I tried. Amen. So we'll review. Calling and commissioned by God, the Lord's watchman. The calling. When God calls you, he will speak to you. He will show you who your mission field is. He will show you the cost of the calling. You've got to count the cost, my brothers and sisters. He will give you a burden for your mission field. And many will say, you guys have heard Pastor Day say, a burden is spawning enough for a calling. Because that's the birthplace in which your calling is birthed, when you have a burden for something. And then the commission, God's not just going to speak to you, show you, encourage you, enlighten you, but he's going to send you, okay? It's not enough just to hang out here in these little seats. It's not enough just to do that, but you guys have a mission, all right? We're, we've been called by God. We need to be salt and light, all right? The only way this nation is going to change, the only way the revival is going to start, because it starts in the house of God. Amen. It starts with every one of us in our hearts first, and then it pours out onto the world. Remember in Acts, he said, you guys fill this whole place full of your doctrine, and I'm like, talking about Christ, they were upset. Because it started with the church, and they just preached Christ and crucified, risen from the dead. And that's what it was. And so, we're called to answer the call. We're to meditate to find the light in God's word, and we must be obedient to where and who God has called us to, no matter the difficulty. And it's God who will send us, it's God who will sustain us, and it's God who will strengthen us. Amen? All right, let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that makes all things come to understanding to us, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, as, we, as we've read over the calling, Lord, that each and every one would examine 
our heart before you, Lord. If there be any area, Lord, where, where it will cause you to lament and woe and mourn, Lord, please show it to us so we can repent and turn back to you. Lord, the captain said, how can we sing a song in a foreign land? Lord, if there's any area in our lives, Father, we've, we've, where we've been captive to a foreign land, Lord, where it's hindering us from being obedient to you, where it's preventing us from representing the heart of you to the people, Lord God, where it's getting in the way of our obedience, Father. Please show us so we can turn, Lord. Please speak to us, Father. Lord, we love you. We want to be more like your son, Jesus. Encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, with your mighty might. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that tonight will be the, the day of salvation. Jesus said, Lord, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. Because you are the bread of life. We thank you, Lord, as we get to your worship. We want to sing to you praises of hallelujah. You put a new song in our mouth, Father. May you receive our praises as a sweet smelling moment to your gospels. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Was said, Amen. Let's worship.